Thank you, Pastor Marvin. I've been, um, I've been watching the leaves fall. Anyone like watching the leaves fall? Yeah, enjoy that. It's interesting watching them fall. I think one of the most interesting things to me about watching the leaves fall is that they don't all fall at once. Um, you know, you think about, well, all right, it's time for them. Why don't they just all fall off at the same time? And I think it's interesting to watch when the wind blows, I always think that it's just going to take all the leaves off the trees at uh, this time of year. Uh, and so I watch my backyard and the wind blows and some of the leaves come off, um, but a lot of them don't. Uh, they end up staying on there. And I, I wonder about that. I think, you know, that's, that's interesting. why does some come off and they don't? And so I looked it up and I read about it and it's more science than I'm going to share with you this morning. Um, but it's this idea of the, the, the nutrients being cut off from the leaves and, and eventually each leaf forms a, a barrier in between the, the, the leaf and the tree so that it doesn't leave a, basically an open scab and, and, and then it falls off the tree when it's ready. But they don't all fall off at the same time, even when the wind blows. I think about that, how does that relate to where we are at Global Outreach? It just made me think also that the wind of the Holy Spirit blows and some people are ready to come and yield their life to God and some people aren't ready yet. And the same wind blows and the same message is preached and the same message is shared and there are some who are ready and there are some who are not and some of those leaves come off the trees. When we're talking about this message of global outreach, and we're on our third of three weeks of this, that's what it makes me think about, that there are places in this world, and you can look from a distance, and you could say, ah, oh, no one from there is going to come to Jesus. No one from there is interested in hearing about Jesus. I mean, I look at that place, and I, just the pictures I see, and everything I hear about it, no one there. And it's kind of like we think none of those trees, none of those leaves are going to fall off the tree. But we don't know each and every person. We don't know who's ready. In fact, I think there's people all around the world. They're looking and they're, and they're exploring different options and they're exploring different religions and they're exploring different avenues, trying to find a way to connect with the God who created them and loved them. Trying to, as the, as the book of Acts says, feel their way to God, Paul says. And there's a way that they can find their way to God. It's when someone comes and shares the news with them that God loves them and that God sent his son, Jesus, that they might have a relationship with God. That's what we're talking about when it comes to global outreach. And so this morning, I want to just take a couple minutes and wrap up our global outreach emphasis. And I'm going to do a few different things this morning. First of all, hopefully you got two things when you came in this morning. Should have got a little bag and a card. If you didn't, can you lift up your hand and someone will bring you one or both of these? You're going to need a bag and a card when you uh, come in. So if you don't, just lift your hand up and someone will bring these to you. Here's what I want to do this morning. I'm going to just lay out. I'm going to tell you exactly one up front here, BJ. Um, well, I'm going to tell you exactly um, where we're going, where I'm going this morning. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about this card first. 
I'm going to use this little bag to remind us of the messages of the last two weeks, the points they made. I'm going to add one point of my own. I want to talk about where we've been this last year in global outreach. I'm going to show you a video from one of our partners, and then we're going to come back to this card. And we're going to do that all in 30 minutes. You with me? All right. You believe I can do it? Oh, yeah, I saw some shaking the heads. <laughs> we're going to give it a shot. Let me talk to you about this card. You came in. Some of you came in this morning, and you got this card, and you walked in, and you thought, oh, commitment card. Maybe it's your first Sunday coming to Mount Hope. And you thought, I walked in on the Sunday where they were doing commitment cards. Or maybe you thought, oh, man, does this church do commitment cards every week? Uh, we don't. In fact, you walked in on the only Sunday a year that we do this. But let me tell you, you walked in on a good Sunday. Because what this card does is it reveals the heart of this church. And I pray that is the heart of God. And that our heart is lined up with God's heart. This card, this commitment card, if you've read through it, has nothing to do with our operational budget. Has nothing to do with keeping these lights on. Has nothing to do with, with you know, paying the heat or the air conditioning bill. Nothing to do with that. This card has everything to do with taking the message of Jesus to the furthest most parts of the world, to the least people who have the least amount of access to hearing about Jesus. And that's the heart of this church. And so I want to just let you know right up front, I'll take the elephant, you know, address the elephant in the room right up front. I'm going to invite you at the end of this message to complete this card. And the reason I want you to know right up front is because I want you, even as I'm talking, to be praying about that, to be listening to the Holy Spirit, to be asking God what your response is. I believe God brings people to church on purpose. Some of you invited a friend today and you thought, I invited him on Commitment Card Sunday. I stopped trying to figure God out like that a long time ago. I used, to, I used to think sometimes someone would show up to church on a Sunday where I knew the message that was coming and I knew what that person was going through and I thought, mm, this is going to be a hard Sunday that they chose to show up on uh, because they haven't been here in a long time or they brought their friend for the first time. And what I learned is God has a bigger plan than me. And God's at work. And I believe you're here this morning on purpose. And I believe you're here this morning because God wanted you here. And so I want to talk about, this card talks about giving for sure, but praying, participating, and going to be part of the worldwide mission that God is on in the world. And so I, I want to, we'll come back to that in a moment, but just before we get to that little bag, let's pray. Lord, I'm going to pray, Lord, and come to you with the prayer I've been coming with the last two, three weeks. Make our heart like your heart. Lord, would you make the heart of Mount Hope to beat with your heart? Lord, would you help the things that are important to you to be important to us? The things that you care about, would you help us to care about them, Lord? God, it is so easy, Lord, for us to sing, you can have it all. But Lord, God, help us to not only let those be words on our lips, 
the life that we live for you. Challenge us, lead us by your spirit for the sake of your kingdom and your glory throughout the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We did just sing, you can have it all, Lord. And we can sing those words, and then we come to a card, and we're like, oh, and you're going to ask me to do something? And we just sang, you can have it all, Lord. You can have it all, right? Let's take out your little bag. You got your little bag. You got two things in there. Pull out the little kernel of corn. If you've been here the last three weeks, you remember that two weeks ago, Selwyn Bodley came and he spoke to us on a verse from John chapter 12, John chapter 12, verse 24, and it says this, very truly I tell you, Jesus says, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And Selwyn used this illustration of a stalk of corn and uh, the, the ear of corn and the idea that when the corn, the ear is in the husk, it is in its most protected form and also its least productive form. That it has the husks around it and it protects it from the heat and, and all the elements. And it is protected from everything that might destroy it, but it is the least productive. Because what's most productive is when it falls to the ground. And when it's allowed to germinate and break open and grow into another stock and produce hundreds more seeds. And some of us live our lives in our most protected state and we don't realize that we're in our least productive state in that moment. That we're trying to keep these husks up and we're trying to protect everything and we live our life risk averse to the things that God might be calling us to do, not realizing that in that protective state that we are losing out on being productive for God. Because Jesus said, unless it dies, but if it dies, it produces many more seeds. And the question is, where is God calling you to die? That's the life of a Jesus follower. If anyone told you that Jesus called you and promised you a wonderful, perfect, trouble-free life, they have lied to you. Jesus said, come and die to lay down your life. Because if you do, then your life will produce something that will last not just in this world, but will last for eternity. That that's how you lay up treasure for heaven. That that's, you want to talk about risk averse, that's your true security. But if it dies, where are the places in your life where God is calling you to die to your natural self in order to live for him? Where are the places I'm missing productivity because I'm trying to protect instead of laying down my life and dying to self for God? But if it dies. Selwyn closed that message with, I think, what was a really powerful quote from missionary William Carey from the 1700s. William Carey said, I'm not afraid of failure. I'm afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. That quote challenged me and I wonder if it did you too. I'm not afraid of failure. 
I'm afraid of succeeding at things that don't really matter. How many of us are succeeding at things in life and the world around us may give us accolades and applause, but they aren't things that are going to matter eternally. But if it does, it produces many more seeds. How's God calling you to die? Lay down your life for him. You put the seed back, pull out that other little, what's a sticker. If you don't know, it's a, if you didn't know it, it is a sticker. And not only a sticker, it's a magic sticker. All right, it's not magic. We don't believe in magic. It is a scratch and sniff sticker, though. It should be. If you scratch that sticker, I hope it smells good. Mine smells like grape. Um, But it should smell like something. Uh, Mine says great idea. Uh, But uh, yours probably says something different. Last week, Greg Detweiler came and shared with us from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, where the Apostle Paul writes these words, But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. We are the aroma of Christ. Our mission at Mount Hope is to grow in our love and knowledge of Jesus Christ and to lead others to do the same. And Paul says here, he spreads the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. So this little scratch and stiff snicker is supposed to remind you to check how you smell. How do you smell? That's what Greg asked us last week. How do you smell? Because you're supposed to smell like Jesus. We're supposed to smell like Jesus. In the life that we live, in the acts that we do, in the values that we hold, we're supposed to smell like Jesus, to be a pleasing aroma to God. And the reality is that if we hold values that often smell good to the world around us, that it may stink to God. And if we hold values that smell good to God, honestly, people around us are going to be, that life stinks. Why are you living that way? But Paul says, you are to live your lives, that it is supposed to amount to a pleasing aroma to God. And so we were challenged last week by Greg uh, asking us, how is your life? How does it smell? How do you smell? And specifically, how are you showing the love of Jesus Christ in the world and the people near you? Those who have been marginalized, those who are, who are on the margins that Scripture often says you're to care about and show the love of Jesus to. Greg did a great job helping us apply that Scripture and think about that in our lives. We're supposed to live lives that smell like Jesus. You're supposed to bring the aroma. We're talking about work starting next week. You're supposed to bring the aroma of Christ into your workplace. And so where do we need to die? How do we smell? One more point I want to add to it this week. Uh, because, and I want to add this point. And the point is this. How will they hear? How will they hear? That's the question I want to look at this week. Because here's the reality. The the, the purpose from the beginning of the church has always been to take this message to people who haven't yet heard. 
From the very founding of the church, Jesus said these words in Acts chapter 1-8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and say this next part to me, and to the ends of the earth. This has always been the plan. This has always been the mission of the church. This has always been the heart of God. It started out in a backwards little, you know, place in Jerusalem that nobody wanted to go to in the Roman Empire. In fact, if you were working your way up the, 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 the governmental ladder in the Roman Empire, you didn't want to go to Jerusalem. That was second, third tier at best. And this is where God sent his son. And he shared the message of hope and salvation. The message that if you will put your faith and trust in the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross and the work that he did, that you can have forgiveness of your sins, be cleansed of your guilt and shame and have life. Not simply, don't, think, don't hear when I, when I say that simply eternal life, like life after this life, but you can have life now. You know, there was a, a lot of times there was an evangelism strategy while back, I don't know if it's still used, you know, the question was, well, you know, what would, you know, what would you say to God if you died tomorrow? You know, that's essentially the question. What would you do? I think sometimes we ought to ask the question, um, what if you live tomorrow? What if you were to live tomorrow? Wouldn't you want the best life God has to offer you? Wouldn't you want a life that has relationship with the God who created you? When Jesus offers you life, he offers you life starting now that goes on forever. And Jesus says, I want you to take this message, start in Jerusalem. And I want you to go to Judea, the next region out. I want you to go to Samaria, which is people who are cross-cultural from you, that are like near you but cross-cultural. And then I want you to take it to the ends of the earth. And these guys must have been like, that is a big task. They probably never left anywhere their little seven or eight mile circle. Jesus said, here's the plan. Take it to the ends of the earth. It's still the plan. It's still the plan. The piece that I want to add to you this morning is the reminder that everyone deserves to hear the gospel. Everyone deserves to hear the good news about Jesus. The people across the street from this building that don't know Jesus and the people around the world that don't know Jesus. And that's the heart of Mount Hope, that everyone deserves to hear it. And for those of us, those that live across the street, we have a responsibility as a church to show and share the love of Jesus in your workplace, in your home, in your family, where you live, where you do life. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have a responsibility to show and share the love of Jesus. And you might ask, well, that's enough work. Why do we have to think and go to the ends of the earth with it? Well, one, because that's always been the plan. But two, because there are places in this world that if someone doesn't go there, they're never going to hear about Jesus. They don't have any access you live in a country where you can go to Barnes & Noble and buy a Bible. You can turn on your TV and hear more TV preachers than I think it's good for you to listen to. 
and podcasts and all kinds of that you have at you have not only have the freedom to gather in this room to worship you have access to this message but there are places around this world that if someone doesn't go and share Jesus with them they won't hear the message that there's a God that loves them and he and, and these 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 leaves that might be ready to fall off the tree because they're waiting just for someone to share the truth with them they don't hear that message and yeah, there's plenty of work to do around here. And yet there's also an opportunity and a responsibility to share this message with those who have never heard. See, it's not an either or. It's not either or. It's not, I have to care about the people near me so I can't care about the people on the other side of the world. It's a both and. It's a, I have to do both because God has given me the opportunity and the responsibility to do that. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 15 said this, It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. So I, want to go where, I want to go where Christ was not known. I want to go to the places that they haven't heard about Jesus. Now, in Paul's day, that, that had to be fairly easy. He's in the first century. Not a lot of people have heard the message yet. But he said, I want to make sure I go to places where he was not known. And we want to do that too. We want to share Jesus too in places where he is not known. And so our global outreach, one of the things we, one of the reasons we focus on this is because there are places that don't have the opportunity and access to hear about Jesus. And we as Christians want them to know and hear about Jesus. And we take responsibility for that. Because there's a formula that we get in scripture for how people are to hear. The question, how are they to hear? Romans chapter 10 verses 14 to 15 says this. How will they then call on him in who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. We want, well, the heart of this church has always been to take this message to those who need to hear it. And we do that and we intentionally um, prioritize taking this out. Let me, let me just show you what sharing the gospel is like. Sharing the gospel is like giving something good to people who need it. Maybe you don't, okay, maybe you don't need candy, Haven. But I'm going to give you some. I'm going to give you some, okay? And this is, Mason, you want one? All right, I'm going to share the gospel here. And we are going to keep sharing the gospel and giving it to people. And we're going to share the, you go, Johnson. Here you go, pass a couple of those down there. Yeah, take those down. We're just sharing the gospel, sharing the good news. All right. Actually, here, even have another one. Oh, okay. Okay, all right. Have a couple more, Mason. Yeah, okay. Here we go. Have some more here. All right. Now we're going to continue to... Let me give some more here. Have some more here. Here, Johnson, have some more. Here, you, there you go. And now I'm going to... Avon, you want... Here's another one, Avon. Here's some more. Here's, here's some more. Yeah, you're, have some more. You put that next slide up, John. When it comes to sharing the gospel, the global church, 4% of our resources in the global church go to the most unreached people. So our 4%, Aaron, there you go. You get the gospel. Oh, you almost get the gospel. 
<laughs> if you could catch, you get the gospel. There you go. Someone back there. Here we go. Uh, we got one over there. That's about, that's about my 4%. That's it. That's all you guys get. You get 4%. These guys up here, they get 80%. They heard it, and they get it, and they get access, and they get everything. But the global church, 4% of our resources go to sharing it with the people that have the least amount of access to it. 16% go to those that are formative or nominal. That's up to 2% uh, of that uh, people group uh, is Christian or evangelical. And over 2%, which is a pretty low bar, 80% of resources in the global church go to that. We keep giving the candy to people who already have it. And so years ago at Mount Hope, we said, we want to we change this. We want to we we go a little bit against the curve. So we set targets that 50% of all our global outreach resources would go to people groups that are the least reached. 30% would go to those formative and nominal, and 20% to the established. So this is, this is what we do. This is how we target it. This is how we allocate our resources. In 2023, we, we hit our, just about hit our targets. 53% went to the unreached. 27% went to formative or nominal. 20% went to established or significant. Now, some of you who have been to Mount Hope for, yeah, praise the Lord for that. Yeah, absolutely. Praise the Lord for that. And, and some of you who have been here for many years, you're like, oh, I see that every year. And I've, I've heard that and I know that. Why do you keep sharing that? Here's one of the reasons I keep sharing that. Because we just did an assessment for some of you that were here three weeks ago. And the assessment told me that 12% of you started attending Mount Hope in the last year. So you've never seen this. And that 23% of you started attending in the last one to three years. So uh, you may have never seen this if you missed Global Outreach Sunday the last year or two. But this is our philosophy. This is what we're aiming for. We, we want to, we want to, like Paul, say, I want to see Jesus preached where it was never preached, where he was never preached. We want to see him go and see Jesus preached in places that have never heard before. So we do that. All right, let me just show you where our giving was in this last year. Uh, praise the Lord, our giving was up 38% over the year-to-year, which I think is the biggest increase we've ever seen in a year-to-year increase. So praise the Lord for that. Last year we sent out $209,000 to 49 partners serving God and taking this gospel to the least reached people around the world. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Uh, we sent out money, 20, oh, 11% increase, total money. Sorry, did I just say 30? I don't know where the 38 came from, somewhere. From the, uh, faith promise. from the faith promise. Thank you, thank you. 38% over the faith promise commitment, but we had 11% increase in the total money sent out to our partners. So we sent out 209,000 uh, over that last year. So we're praising the Lord for that. As a part of that, we told you last year that if we increased capacity, we would increase our partners. And so the next slide shows partners we've added within the last year. And uh, we've been able to add several partners within the last year because we raised our capacity and support in the last year. So we added on partners. We always have people that are coming and saying, hey, I'm going to the field. I want to go to this country. God's called me here. Just like Romans 10, they're called to preach, but will someone send them? 
And so we're, our, our global outreach team is constantly vetting, interviewing, giving an application for them to fill out and then meeting with them and getting ready uh, to see if we might be able to support them. So this next year, uh, if capacity, if, if our support goes up from that, what we were able to give last year so we can maintain, but it goes up on our capacity, we want to add a, a partner in Cambodia. We want to add one that is uh, looking and running a Liberian orphanage. And we also want to add, uh, we're looking at adding a partner that is doing campus ministry at Harvard. Um, and so we are, we are, have already, our team has already talked and met with them and, and already started the conversations with them. And we've told them if, if on this Sunday, what we do in these next few minutes matters, if on this Sunday, the capacity is raised, um, that we will look to add them as partners. Um, and uh, we also would like, I know, uh, as with you, many of our partners, their cost of living has gone up in the last year or two immensely, right? And so we'd like to be able to increase our support to current partners to help them with that cost of living increase and to be able to help them with that. So that's what we're looking to uh, do in the next few years. Here's the, here's the map. This is where our partners are serving. Uh, we'd love, and you can snap a picture of this because I'd love for you to take that as a prayer, uh, as, as a matter of your taking into your prayer time. You can pray for our Mount Hope Go partners that are serving uh, 49 uh, people or units serving around the world. Um, and we want to be praying for them. What are we looking for? In the next year, in addition to adding some partners, um, we'd like to increase our prayer support. Um, uh, we want to increase people who are praying. Last year, we had 113 people commit to praying for our global outreach partners. We'd love to increase that by at least 20% to get 135 people who are committed to praying for partners. Also, uh, so if you fill this out, when you fill this card out name and you put your prayer on there, um, we'll help connect you. Uh, with Global Outreach Partners so you can get their reports and you can, uh, we can connect you to, to be praying for them. But also, first Saturday of every month, there is a Global Outreach Zoom and we have partners that are on there serving around the world that uh, all hours of their day, <laughs> that they'll show up at 8.30 on a Saturday morning for us to be on a Zoom and to talk about what's going on in their part of the world and to, for us to be able to pray for them. So uh, that's another area and way to pray. Uh, we also have uh, on here a go. Uh, our go is to go see. Uh, we learned that one of the important things in supporting our partners is to send some people to, you know, be with them, visit them, see what they're doing. But it also helps build the heart of our people as they're able to go and go to these places where our partners are serving. And so we wanna, we wanna, we'd love to see a dozen people go to that trip in Turkey next year and visit our partners there, support them, help them, but also just see what the Lord is doing in Turkey. So we're praying about that. To participate locally, uh, committing to participating in an outreach to Afghan and other refugees in our area. There's a great opportunity that the world comes to our door in Boston often. But uh, particularly right now, there's an opportunity where God has brought some people that are really in need uh, to our door, that we have the opportunity to show and share the love of Jesus with them as well. The final thing on here, there's an other, and that is this, because we believe that some of you are already involved 
in some global outreach efforts that we may not know about. We'd love to hear about them because it may be something we can pray with you about, maybe something down the road we might be able to partner with you on, but we'd love to know if there's other places you're already involved with global outreach, would you share that with us? Our team would love to hear about that. The bottom line is we want to have this message. We believe everyone has a right and everyone deserves to hear this message of love and hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And you can look and say, well, it's too big of a job. Seven billion people in the world. There's three billion people that, that, that have never heard Jesus. And, and, and what, it's too big. Yep, it's too big for Mount Hope. It's not too big for God. God is not asking you to be the solution. He's asking us to steward what we have towards his mission. Because he's got a big kingdom. And he's got churches all over the world. He's got Christians all over. It's a big job. You know, when, he's, when Jesus is talking to his disciples, take it to the ends of the earth was a big job. But here we are in, outside Boston, Massachusetts, talking about Jesus. He's not called you to be the whole solution. He's called you to steward what you have towards the mission. And so that's what we have to ask ourselves. What has God given us that we can leverage towards sending this gospel out to the world? And let's not make it an excuse that we have people near us that need to hear about Jesus. Let's do that. Let's share Jesus with them and help people who have no access to hearing about Jesus around the world be able to hear about him as well. What does God want to do through you this year? Let's watch this video of one of our partners, Don Butera. Don sent an email um, uh, newsletter about a month or two ago, and I read this story, and I thought, this is an awesome story. I'd love to have this shared with Mount Hope. So Chuon asked if he could put it on video for us to share with you this morning. And so Don shared this video, and then I'll come up and we'll close with our response with his cards. But let's watch Don Butera, uh, what he has to say. Hi, Church. Don Butera here from uh, Indonesia. Uh, just wanted to give you a little uh, story and tell you kind of what things, what's going on here in Indonesia. Uh, we are on the island of uh, Bali. We are in the city of Denpasar. In Indonesia, it's a majority uh, uh, of Muslim people, but actually in, 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 in Bali, it's a majority of uh, Balinese Hindu. As a matter of fact, Hinduism here might even be older than the, uh, than the Hinduism in India. There's some, uh, there's some reports, I'm still studying that. But anyways, we're in a city of about 3 million people. There are, there are Muslims, there are Hindus, there are Buddhists, there are people from all faiths here from all different countries. Uh, and like I said, I think there's about 3 million people, if I'm not mistaken, here in uh, Denpasar. So we came here a little over 10 years ago and we began uh, what uh, we would call an international community. When we first came here, we didn't know anybody, but God was so gracious. We started one small group after another small group. And then we started a Sunday morning uh, gathering in our community. And I honestly will tell you that over these years, uh, I'm in the I'm in the 300, so around 300 or so people that I have baptized uh, on this island and, uh, and on other islands, and so we have grown uh, our community here to where on Sunday mornings we have somewhere around five six hundred people coming uh, of all faiths, 
of all countries. It is the most international place I've ever been. It's so much fun. Sometimes even when we're sharing on Sunday mornings, I watch in the, in the, in the audience and someone will be actually whispering to someone else. What they're actually doing is translating into like Portuguese or Russian uh, or Spanish. I mean, we, we watch this all the time. And so it's, it's a lot of fun, actually. We're having a great time. So we grew this community uh, with a purpose. And what we do is from this community, we do outreaches on this island and other islands. And what we do is we bring teams up into the villages and we do things like medical clinics. We do uh, mommy baby uh, stuff. We do uh, English programs, feeding programs, you name it, we do it. We'll do whatever, whatever the, the village needs. And we do that, we build relationships with them. And from there, we begin to start house churches in those villages. And currently, I think we're somewhere around 13 house churches. Our goal next year is to train uh, at least close to 50 people. That's my goal. 50 people to start house churches all throughout this island and beyond. Now, in these uh, different uh, outreaches, as we get in there, we find people who are open to the gospel and we just start going to their homes and, and, and sharing the gospel. And we have seen you know, many, many people come to Jesus. Just this past week, I, I, I led a Buddhist woman to Jesus. It was so much fun. Um, and I want to kind of close by just telling you a story about someone because this man, he just, uh, yeah, he, he's changed my he's changed my life. When I was in another island, when I first came to Indonesia, I was on another island and I was studying the language and I met this man and he said he had a call uh, of God on his life. So I said, well, if you follow me, we'll see what happens. And so he sold everything he had which was only about uh, one juke, $100 uh, and, and stuff. And he came with me here to this island. I trained him up and we began to do some outreaches on another island. I can't really tell you the names. So we didn't, we started doing outreaches on this other island, which was 100% uh, uh, Muslim uh, uh, villages. And we began to do outreaches there and he kept coming with us. And he fell in love with this, uh, with this city, with this uh, village, right? And when I say village, about 200,000 people. He fell in love with it and miraculously they invited him to come and live there. You can't just move there. You have to be invited. So he was basically the only Christian to be invited into this village. Since then, he continues to just serve them and help them with farming and finances. And he's, God is just raising him up kind of like Daniel. Now, several years ago, there was these huge earthquakes there. I mean, it devastated. The, uh, there was no water, no electricity, no housing, all the houses. I mean, I, when I say earthquakes, we're talking big, probably some of the biggest in history they've had there. And so I was really nervous. So I called him up and I said, hey, uh, again, hey, buddy, I won't say anything. Uh, I said, hey, we will bring your family down there because he had two children and his wife. And I said, we'll, we'll send you down to the city. We'll put you up and, and we'll make sure you take care of until, you know, until electricity and everything comes. And he, he, he says to me on the phone, he says, no, I can't leave now. This is my time to love these people. This is my time to show that Jesus loves them. And, and like it kind of blew my mind that he would stay. And he stayed. He actually was severely injured while he was trying to help them get water, but he's fine now. And so he continues to do that. Well, only maybe a couple of months ago, I saw him. He was, he was on our island. We were talking. And after we got done talking about strategizing and stuff like that, as we were leaving, he, he turned to me and he said, he said, Donna, Pastor Donna, I've got to thank you. I'm like, thank you for what? He goes, thank you for letting me live my dream. 
And, and, and I'm thinking, live your dream. You live in a village where it's so hard. There's, sometimes there's no water. Sometimes the electricity goes out. All kinds of problems in this village and in a place where people still haven't accepted him fully because he's of another faith. And, and they, they, they don't want to play with his kids because their children are, are Christians. And, and yet he's telling me that he's living a dream and he's thanking me for doing it. I believe when we get to heaven, there'll be people like him sitting on thrones and we will look at them and say, who are they? They are people who have sacrificed their lives for Jesus. And I just want to encourage you, sacrifice your love for Jesus. You sacrifice your life for Jesus. Give them all, just go for it. Go lead someone to Jesus. Go love them so much that they want to come to the kingdom because you've loved them so much. I want to thank you for supporting us. Thank you for everything you do. God bless you guys. Go out and tell someone about Jesus. Hi, church. Don's pretty excited. <laughs> Thanks for helping send Don. Don planted churches in Rhode Island. He and his wife, Carol, many another story before they left 10 years ago. They were leading churches in Rhode Island, very comfortable. Uh, his wife's a nurse. God said, go to Indonesia. And he went. And thank you for sending Don and Carol. And because you did, there are people... Did you hear about, did you, I mean, did you catch that? This village invited this Christian to come and live among them. I mean, that's incredible. And, and, and I, I'm not getting into it this morning, but, but I know there's like barriers. You think, well, well, why don't you just leave them alone? Why don't you just, you know, they seem happy on their own. There's leaves that are ready to fall off the tree. There's leaves that are looking and want to feel their way to God and are looking for a relationship with the God who created them and made them. No one's forced into following Jesus. This isn't, this isn't neo-colonialism where we're forcing people to come in and, and follow religion. That's not what it is. It's an invitation. It's a God who loves you and he sent his son to die for you. And if you will put your faith and trust in him, you can have your sins forgiven you can have life and have it now. And so we want to send people. We want to send people who will do that. So you've got the card. I've talked enough about it. Now I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. I'm just going to pray and ask the Holy Because Jesus said in that passage we read, wait for the Holy Spirit. And in saying that, he's saying, you're not going to do this on your own. You're not going to do this because you're smart enough or you're strong enough or you have enough people. You're going to do this with my spirit. Selwyn said it in that first week. He said, it's your obedience and God's spirit that does the work. Our obedience married with God's spirit behind it accomplishes this work of getting this message out. So I'm going to ask you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit what you might put on this card. What God wants to do through you in the next 12 months of this year. And then as you complete it, if you put it in this basket up here, that'll help us. This matters. This matters. Even if you're keeping and renewing the same commitment you had last year, please let us know because we won't assume that. We're asking you to make a 12-month commitment. And that's what we'll let our partners know. That's what we're going to make our decisions on in the next couple months. So um, we won't. We're not going to track you down. 
We're not going to call you and say, hey, did you get, that's not, this is a faith promise. This is between you and God. We're going to trust that God's going to do through you what he's telling you to give right now. And we will send it out to our partners to send this message around the world. Lord, thank you. Holy Spirit, I've said everything I think you wanted me to say. If I've said anything you didn't want me to say, let us forget it and dwell on your word. But Lord, would you speak now? Would you guide us and lead us? Would you show us what you want to do through us? Thank you, Lord, that you did everything and you gave everything that we might be able to have a relationship with you. Would you show us what you want to do through us to be able to share that message with others? In Jesus' name.